winter following Japan's invasion of Manchuria was a difficult one. Biting winds sheared through the small boarding house, and the women stuffed cotton in between the fabric layers of their garments. This thing called the Depression was found everywhere in the world, the lodgers said frequently during meals, repeating what they'd overheard from the men at the market who could read newspapers. Poor Americans were as hungry as poor Russians and the poor Chinese. In the name of the emperor, even ordinary Japanese went without. No doubt the canny and hardy survived that winter, but the shameful reports of children going to bed and not waking up, girls selling their innocence for a bowl of wheat noodles, and the elderly stealing away quietly to die so the young could eat were far too plentiful. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the movie, or in this case, TV series, more than the book. We are recording this episode on Sunday, April 3rd, 2022, and today we are discussing the pilot episode of the new series Pachinko, out on Apple TV+. And with me to talk about the adaptation is the imperialist, the oppressor, and the pachinko-addicted Mr. Eric. Say hello to the people E. Hello, people. I can quit whenever I want. I don't need to go to the pachinko to just get to get my bets in. I can quit whenever I want. That's what they all say. It's fun. You know, we like it. But, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes you got to bet the house to win the second house. <laughs> That's true. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Very positive. Um, well, we're going to get into some fast facts real quick. Um, about the TV series. I know this is a bit of a difference um, from what our usual format is. We usually do movies as if, if you've been listening to us for a long time. This is our first endeavor into TV series. Erica, are you excited for this? Before we get into Fast Facts, I want to ask you, are you excited for this new TV series, this new format? Yeah, I, I mean, in our life, I'm like hosting this podcast, I'm sure people have come up to you and been like, you should do this TV show. You should do that TV yes, show. And I, for a long time, like I just, we didn't know how to do it. Um, and I think what excited us about Pachinko in particular was we had just done After Yang, and this is like Kogonada has directed four of these, or is directing four of these eight episodes. And so it was kind of a good overlap of like people that we like doing something cool. Uh, plus I'd heard of the book and it was a big deal a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just like, you know, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna do a TV show, why not try this one and then figure out how to do it after that? Yeah. So the solution which we'll talk about, I'm sure, is that in this episode in particular, we're just talking about the pilot. Yeah. Um, in subsequent episodes, we'll do bigger chunks of the TV show, like episodes mm-hmm. two through five, and then episodes six through eight. But right now, we're just doing the first episode. So if you've read a little, if you've watched a little, this is the episode for you. Yeah. Yep. So we are coming into this uh, pretty fresh, and um, we've just dived into both. Just our little toes have dipped into the waters. That's about it. Um, but yes, very excited. So for the TV series, also called, or I'm sorry, for the book called Pachinko, written by Min Jin Lee, originally published in February 2017, um, and was highly lauded, um, critically acclaimed, the New York Times, among other, many other outlets, um, named, named it as one of the best books of 2017, and then was also a finalist for the 2017 National Book Award for Fiction. Um, the TV show, which premiered on Apple TV Plus on March 25th, 2022, Created by Sue Hugh, directed by uh, four episodes, like Eric just mentioned, uh, directed by Kokonada, who just released after Yang, um, and then as well as Justin Chan. Uh, he will also direct four of the remaining episodes, and then starring Yoon Yu Jun, Lee Minho, Kim Minha, and Jin Ha. So Rotten Tomatoes, 98%, Metacritic 87. And apologies if I butchered any of those names. I did my very best. So, Eric, can you give a quick recap? Yeah, but Chinko is a sweeping epic story that follows a Korean family as it works to improve its station in life through marriages and moves. Um, themes of family and legacy feature prominently. Now, there's a lot that doesn't go into that recap um, because this book is like 500 pages and there's a lot of specific characters and, and different like threads. Um, but if you are new to this story, just know that it is a, a big old family tale told um across four different generations of korean um family yeah um and 
that's about it for the fast facts. But in the recap, we want to get into the studio pitch. So, Eric, are you ready to pitch me? I am Steve Jobs reincarnated, right? I am about to in- endeavor into TV series, and I want to make Apple TV the the new Netflix, the better Netflix of streaming, as our as as one of our many revenue streams here at Apple. Um, but also, I want to make premier content. I don't know if you've heard about this little film called Coda. You know, it just won the Best Picture for the Academy Awards. I also want to make, uh, you know, Emmy Award winning TV series. So I don't want like some bullshit. Just so you're clear, I don't want any, you know, uh, any bad TV series. Let me just put it that way. So can you pitch me? Can you give me a little uh, insight into what you're thinking? You don't want just any show. For Apple TV Plus, you want a show that everyone's going to be talking about. Exactly. The top shelf show. Congratulations again on Coda. Uh, Thank you. I think I should say that before we start. I I apologize for my other client, Will Smith, his (laughs) actions at the award show. Um, Yeah, kind of overshadowed our win, didn't it? Yeah, I kind of forgot that you guys won. I was was thinking about uh, what it means that Will Smith just, like, slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. (laughs) And that's the only thing I've been thinking about for the past week. Me too, actually. <laughs> uh, I know, that only happened a week ago. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how many times on the, the Great Little Ends podcast have we said, wow, you know, this book that we read really should have been a TV show? It happens kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more space to deal with more story on TV. Um, but that was, that was back when, you know, TV was different. We didn't, we didn't have big shows on television Mm -hmm. you know you'd have a game of thrones on hbo you'd have something on hbo and that was kind of it and then our lord and savior reed hastings turned netflix into a behemoth all of a sudden the rest of you tim cook introduced these streaming services and now there's just like this boom time for television and how do you fill a television program you do it through novels the great american novel and the great Korean American novel. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, um, now that you have all this space on television, you can tell these big sweeping stories. And boy, Tim Cook, do I have a big sweeping, or reincarnated Steve Jobs, do I have a big sweeping story for you. Four generations of Korean family dealing with racism, immigration, legacy. We're setting it in pre-war Korea. We're setting it in war-torn Japan. We're setting it in the swinging dick 80s, cocaine, capitalism, capital of the world. Um, at its heart, this is a, is a show about family, but it's also a show about making your way in the world across, you know, 80 plus years. It's big. You're Apple. You do big. That's Come true. We do do big. Come get Pachinko. Um, I'm all about it. It's ambitious. It's, uh, Pachinko is obviously translated, uh, Actually, I'm not sure if it was tra- originally I don't think written it is. in English. Okay. Yeah. Originally written in English, but it, are we going to do it in English? Or are we going to do another uh, dialects, other languages? You know, what are, what are we thinking? I think Who- people today are, are cool with subtitles, you know? Squid Game on uh, Netflix was subtitled, and people love that. I, honestly, like, probably Parasite winning Best Picture is the best example of just, like, a very mainstream Korean or foreign language movie, you know, like a, a foreign language movie g- gaining mainstream like American acceptance. Mm-hmm. And people love that movie, and all the people that love that movie probably don't speak Korean. They That's probably true. read the subtitles. Drive My um, Car this year, I mean, that was a three-hour Japanese movie. Yep. It's Coda, you know, there's very few <laughs> words true. spoken in that. You're reading subtitles on uh, the uh, That's a good ASL. Point. That's a very good point, actually. So, well, uh, okay. we, are, we are back. Subtitles are back. <laughs> Don't dub it. We are subtitling everything. If you um, dub, you are a scrub. There you go. Print that. I, put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, put, it, yeah, put that on a t-shirt. Um, okay, I'm interested. And here is uh, $100 million. Here's I'm going to need it. I'm going to need yeah. it. We're going to build mean, with our... All the, with all the great visuals, you will need it. Yeah. We're going to build... A beach in Korea. We're building the <laughs> island that they live on. Oh, you are. Yeah. Well, why not? I mean, yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be retaken by the ocean anyway, so we're yes. just going to. We'll have it for a little while. Making money on it. it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm in. 
I'm very interested. I like the idea of a sweeping novel. Um, that isn't going to be a series. It'll just be a one, should be just a season, you know, one season thing, miniseries. Um, I like the idea of, um, you know, bringing this South Korean, uh, history of South Korea and Japan story to the silver screen, not the silver screen, the, what do they call the TV screen? The silver screen is a movie screen. Yeah. They the just LCD, call it a TV. LCD screen? LCD, OLED. Yeah. The 4K screen? 4K screen. Um, I like it. Very popular novel. Um, had a lot of buzz a few years ago and still is still widely read. Um, and yeah, and, you know, we're at Apple, we are all about representation, right? There have been too many, you know, white savior stories told. We want to bring uh, the South Korean story to the forefront of the conversation. So let's do it. It does feel like today, if you have a best-selling novel, it's almost a certainty that it's going to get optioned for something, whether it's a TV show or a movie. Well, yeah, it's almost like it's almost certain that somebody will buy the rights, right? And whether they do something with it or not is like half, you know, probably more times than not, it's not going to happen. But most big, I'm sure, big books have been optioned or or bought um, to make into something else. So, yeah, good for. Good for Midgen Lee. She probably made a lot of money on that. Yeah. But keep investing in the marketing. I feel like the marketing for this show is actually pretty limited. Like, I wasn't really aware that they were making this show until we did After Yang. Oh, yeah. It's just like, what? This was a yeah. huge book four years ago. And yeah. now we're just like dumping this on Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Well, the, you know, they're getting more marketing now because all that Coda money. So, yeah. Apple TV Plus kind of, uh, I don't know, it's going up in the rankings having a good good year so far it's hot right now for sure yeah. uh they, they've had a few good shows i think um what's the one with um that sci-fi one that ben stiller did severance i think yeah it's getting a lot of buzz i haven't seen that yet but um yeah they're having like a little moment here kind of stealing a lot of netflix and uh all the other streaming services thunder they've done what netflix has been trying to do for years when it win the best picture and they I, I sort of feel like they they have taken over what Amazon was trying to do mm. because Amazon was way earlier. And then mm-hmm. uh, we're still waiting for that Lord of the Rings show. Like yeah, it's been it's... like 11 years. <laughs> I think it's coming out this year. Yeah, I thought allegedly. I saw something for it. Um, well, cool. Um, question. Have you enjoyed reading it so far? I have, I am about 80 pages in. I think you're a little behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I think, somewhat mild expectations for the novel. Obviously it was like critically beloved and weirdly like everybody that I had talked to or seen who wrote about it really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like totally agree with that. I think this story is, it can be slow at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find myself just like binging this book in a way that I haven't really done before. Like I started reading this book three days ago and I'm 80 pages in. I just sit there and I bang out like 30 page chunks at a time, which is not mm-hmm. usually how I read. I usually get like 10 pages and then fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. for me, like the experience has been really good. And um, I appreciate the language and the imagery. I think the main character, Sunja, um, is just really good and yep. really interesting. And she's dealing with all these like massive, like generational shattering things. Um, and we'll talk about like how she's different in the show because she is. Um, but I do think like a lot of the themes and stuff at play in the novel are interesting and to have one person sort of at the center of that, but know that what she is doing today is going to affect things 80 years from now. I think Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have enjoyed reading it as well. I am like, uh, 55, 56 pages in. I just, uh, you know, by the way, spoiler alert, um, FYI, if you're not familiar with how we do things here, uh, I just got to the part where, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. Hansu. Yeah. Ko. Uh, yeah. He tells Sun, Sunja that he has a family back in, uh, back in Japan after getting her pregnant. So spicy. It's going to be a little dramatic. Uh, I'm excited to see what comes next, but yeah, I, I've enjoyed reading it. I actually started reading it while I was reading Macbeth and I got, I like cranked out the first 30 pages. Like this is great. And then I was like, I need to focus on Macbeth. I need to finish this. <laughs> Uh, so I put it down and I just like kind of reread uh, the first 50 pages like uh, this weekend, basically. Um, 
Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's it's a really interesting story. I don't really know much about the you know the tensions and the history between um, South Korea and Japan, and that dynamic with China, which I'm sure is very interesting, um, which I've kind of mentioned at. But setting that backdrop on uh, this sort of police state in Korea that Japan has sort of uh, colonized um, and sort of taken over, and they're enforcing their um, their uh, culture as well as uh, societal uh, norms and status upon these Koreans who were basically belittled and looked down upon by the Japanese uh, in the in Korea itself. Um, it's just a very interesting thing that I didn't know about. Um, and I you know just want to learn more. Um, but kind of interesting times that we're reading it now with the whole Ukrainian-Russia thing. Um, not that it's the same exact thing, but it's just like we haven't evolved <laughs> past this, right? This is like in the 19... It's set in the 1910s, um, and it spans to, through the 1980s, um, jumps back and forth and stuff. But um, but yeah, no, I've really enjoyed reading it. I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah, I... Korea is one of those places that in like the 1900s, I feel like has just been, you know, if it wasn't Japan, it was like America or the country itself, like had a civil war, right? It's just like a lot of, a lot of stuff Koreans have had to deal with in the last 120 years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the Japanese conflict I knew almost nothing about. So, uh, it's kind of a, it's a cool world, a cool time Mm -hmm. in an an interesting time. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and we are going to let you guys know uh, what we think of it as we go through the story and through the episodes, um, and we're going to talk about the pilot episode today. Um, before we do so, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to let you listen to the trailer. We'll be right back. Ah, God, We don't need to walk in our family's shadows. And we are back. Uh, thank you for listening to the trailer. I know it is uh, not totally in English, but that's too bad. Hope you enjoyed it anyways. You have to use your imagination. Yeah. Just listen to the tones of voice yeah. and the music. You'll, yeah. you'll get it. Yeah. Um, so, Eric, we're going to talk about the TV series here. Just episode one, we were just talking about the pilot today, which we just saw uh, over the weekend. Um, how would you describe the first episode of this adaptation. Would you describe it as literal, loose, reimagined? How are you feeling about it? I think I'm probably calling this loose. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can... Obviously, you could see the, the threads of the novel here, but there are some pretty, I think, key changes that have been made. Um, 
And for that reason, I'm going. I'm going loose. I would agree. I would 100% agree with it. Um, and we'll get into those differences now. Um, starting with Sunja. Sunja's strength. Yeah. So this was a point you had made before we started recording, which I thought was really good, which is that Sunja in the book, you know, despite her dealing with a pregnancy um, and knowing her, like we know her place in this sort of like generation spanning story. She's at the beginning of it. Um, She is a little passive and she is, you know, she feels shameful for her uh, pregnancy falling for a man who has a kid several kids and a wife in japan i think she feels a little bit foolish um but she doesn't do a whole lot about it we don't really get the scene where she tells her mother that she's pregnant um she just sort of like stews continues to work at the boarding house that her parents operate and uh i guess is just sort of waiting for somebody to do something whether she's going to have birth whether someone's going to help her take care of that child she just seems to be waiting Mm-hmm. And uh, also we should mention that in the book, um, she is 15 or 16 and she pretty much like starts at that age. Like we, yeah. we do get to see her birth, but she's almost immediately like pulled into young adulthood. Mm-hmm. In the TV show, however, um, she is nine, eight, nine for m- yeah. most of the episode until the last mm-hmm. four minutes. She is an actual child mm-hmm. um, and she's just smarter here. She's more worldly. Um, she catches the abalone, like she swims to the bottom of the sea and catches this abalone or grabs it, um, for her father. She is smart enough to know that this guy who's trash talking like Japanese rule is going to be in trouble and should get the fuck out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. Um, she knows how to like barter at the fish Mm -hmm. market. Yeah. Um, she's just really, really intelligent, really smart, really active. She's, Mm -hmm. she's much stronger here. Mm-hmm. I think is, is the difference, um, which I want to talk about the father in a little bit too, but so like, she's just, she's just a stronger person in, um, they've set her up to be like a more active participant in this story. They did. Um, it was a pretty stark difference because like you mentioned, we only get, um, her when she's like in her teens, right. Um, for the most part of, of what we've read so far, um, but yeah, we're, we're we are with this child who's basically the main character in this first episode for you know fifty minutes, uh, like you mentioned or whatever it is, and you know like the uh, all those different examples you just said, like make this really interesting uh, child character, and you know the actress does like a really great job portraying this like really intelligent, smart like just like really clever, um, and capable co- uh, child, um, and they don't actually get into. Like the history, the, like the book starts off with like more of the history of, uh, um, I forgetting the father's name. Who's Huni? Uh, uh, Huni, yeah. Huni. Um, that gets into his history and how he's got a uh, uh, cleft palate, right? Like a, a split under his nose between his lip, uh, and like this like uh, foot problem. And they show that and stuff, and uh, but they get into more of his history and and his mother and how she had um uh ch- children before him who had died and stuff and he was the one who survived um and stuff and how eventually that sort of replays itself with um Sunya's mother and then Huni um as a father and so they don't we don't really get a lot of that but we understand that this ch- child is essentially in- incredibly strong um and capable um which is really interesting and made for a great episode but it was just uh, kind of a big addition to the story um, that we've read so far. Yeah. Because I think one of the early questions in part one of the novel is like, is about the pregnancy. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. that more in a second, but there's no pregnancy in this first episode, right? And it yeah. re- really is just a child. And that's all, I, I suppose like the, the backstory of the novel. And they really just brought that to the front here. Mm-hmm. I think it probably just helps you. If you're going to create a, a fam, a familial matriarch, like let's just start, let's just start from the beginning. Let's give yeah. you everything. Let's give you the entire Sunya story. Let's just do that. Yeah, which I'm here for. Like, it's a great, it's a great story. And you know, the the end of the episode basically ends with um, the man who eventually gets her pregnant. I we would imagine um, is like basically they kind of lock eyes at this fish market. Um, the eyes, the Chico. The so, eyes, so, yeah. Chico. <laughs> 
So you can basically imagine, okay, these pro- these two will probably blossom and blossom into some sort of romance or relationship, whatever. I'm sure we'll get that in in the next episodes to come. But but yeah, I'm you know I'm I'm all here for the the Sunja story. I mean, it, it's it's a great story. I think it was a great way to sort of lead into um, you know the series. And who knows, maybe a lot of the things that they added in this episode maybe will come later. Or I'm sorry, later in the book and flashbacks. We're not sure. Um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely loose. It's the same world, same characters, but definitely different storylines, different narrative for sure. Um, and do we want to get into the dual timelines? Yeah. So as we talk about narratives here, I think it's probably no secret to readers of the book that, you know, the book is split into parts and the parts are, um, you know, book, uh, book ended around different years, but the book is told chronologically However, very like five minutes into the series here, they fast forward us to 1989, New York. Um, we see a guy who I think we take to be Sunya's grandson, although mm-hmm. it's not revealed until a little bit later. He's mm-hmm. working at this investment banking company or our bank, um, and he is trying to close. He gets passed over for a promotion. He's trying to close a deal with a landowner in Korea, who is Japanese, or maybe I have that backwards. Mm-hmm. A landowner, a landowner in Japan who is Korean. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. And if they can get this person to sell their property, they can build a giant hotel there, and he can get promoted to a VP, yeah. and uh, his life will be better. So yeah, I don't know. We don't know if if that happens in the book. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of frustrating for our idea <laughs> to do just a pilot episode yeah. and read like the first, you know several dozen pages because uh we miss that kind of stuff we just we just we straight up don't know but i I do think uh introducing a dual timeline is a functional tool that i think for the audience kind of shows you where we're gonna go and gives you some sense of security that like sunya's story is a positive one because we Mm -hmm. see her um, as an older woman and we know that she's had children and she has a grandson who is pretty successful, even mm-hmm. though he got passed over for a promotion for reasons that may or may not be like race related either. I don't, that's, I think part of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it, by introducing this, it sort of sets a stage for a couple of different things. Most notably probably is like you're showing us the beginning of a family and now you're fast forwarding to what may well be the end. I, I, we, I don't know. Um, but certainly like when you're running two tracks at the same time, there's gotta be some sort of like connective tissue reason to do that. There's gotta be similarities or reflections in the two stories that allows you to like hold up a mirror between the two of them and say like, Hey, these are, these are kind of the same thing or, there are differences here and now you can see what they are because we're showing them to you like parallel. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know what the, I don't know what the plan is, but it it certainly seems like what's happening in 1910 slash 1919 and what's happening in 1989 are, uh, are going to come to a head somehow. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll find out as we, as we continue to read and continue to watch. Um, I do think that, you know, the two main characters of, of this episode, Sunja, the child as well as you know the 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 grandmother um and then her grandson which i'm forgetting his name solomon Solomon, that's right thank you um like you mentioned he's a successful you know investment banker deal maker uh i I assume on wall street um in new york city um is passover for promotion like you mentioned and it seems that it's race related actually by the way that the guy mentions that he said he's like how could i be passed over i've did these you know, two years in a row, I was the number one guy, whatever. And he said, it's not because of that. And it's like, well, okay. And the white, the white guy is his superior tells him it's not because of that. It's okay. So we're getting to some race relations here for sure. Um, but I, I think the, the dual story works in the sense that her character, Sunja and Solomon are similar in the sense that they are incredibly intelligent, incredibly capable, um, ambitious and like, Maybe Sunja is maybe less ambitious, but she's incredibly capable. Um, and I think tying those two characters together um, makes sense for this episode, right? Because they are sort of similar in the sense of their trajectories. 
and that how Huni as well as I guess Sunja's son and then Solomon's father um, aren't necessarily uh, tertiary. I guess they're more tertiary characters, um, and maybe they're a more simple man of simple means. Um, there's a there's a part in the episode where Sunja tells her grandson that uh, her son, his father is going to open up a second pachinko parlor. And he's like disappointed by that because he thinks he needs to be investing in real estate, right? Like that's where you'll make your money kind of thing. And he doesn't understand that it's like, it's not about making money. It's more about like enjoying the pachinko parlor and blah, blah, blah. Um, So they just have two different perspectives. But um, I think that was, that is probably the point of doing this dual timeline this early is to show like, the similarities between the two characters, if that makes sense. Um, could be wrong. They could be on different paths. He could, maybe he will eventually lead the family to, to ruin and, uh, and the, and the, uh, the dynasty. No, just kidding. But, um, we'll, we'll, we will come to find out. I do think a, another reason to just piggyback on that is if you think about like how the book is unfolding, if it's going linearly, <laughs> Mm-hmm. you're going to know all of the stuff that happens by the time we get to Solomon's plot. So Solomon as a character might not know the family history exactly. And he might go like searching for that kind of stuff or he, he would mm. have to learn it. But like as a watcher, we already know all that stuff. So mm. is it more interesting for us to get like in real time, both of these things happening so that like the mystery in 1910 is a mystery to us, even as we're watching Solomon in 1989 deal with the same mystery if that it like does that make sense like it's like we mm. we're not we're not revealing anything too early we're like as we're searching we as the audience are are also searching as our characters are searching the audience is also searching yeah i guess i guess in a book maybe there must be some point at towards the end of the novel that's like there's this moment where it's like sort of ties the stories together or the generations together right and if you do that in a book it's maybe more impactful because you're reading it through that character's perspective, but maybe with a TV series, it's, it's, it's maybe more impactful to do it as a dual, dual timeline where you're like progressing on two, two separate um, storylines, basically to this one moment where you're like, ah, um, the point of revelation is revealed or whatever. Um, yeah. it's interesting. I don't, I feel like reading dual timelines together is difficult. Um, you have to sort of put yourself in two separate places and it's maybe it's difficult for some people more than others or whatever, but like you have to put yourself in two different settings, two different t- timelines, two different perspectives that are two stories that are mostly unrelated. Um, but maybe it's easier to do that in a visual sense where you can just plop them into 1913 Korea and then you can plop them into 1989 New York City and you you're, it's easier to make that jump, I guess, uh, visually as opposed to like reading it on paper. Yeah. The, I, the last book we did that was similar to this, I guess, would probably be Cloud Atlas because that mm. book is basically told in two halves with like five different plots that are all related, but you do like, you know, whatever. Chapter one is one plot and then chapter 10 is that same plot and they sort of mm-hmm. like connect in like a little rainbow fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a whole... I guess a lot of different ways to do this, but uh, I don't know. The the several timelines is, I mean, that book is super ambitious. That's like really, I, I imagine, very difficult to land. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if if you're interested in listening more about that, check out the episode on Cloud Atlas. Um, yeah, it's sort of like a snake, like a snake draft, but like a snake story. Yeah. First um, and last, second and second and last. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll see how they continue with the series. Um, I think there is another timeline in the thirties, I guess they've kind of introduced that timeline in the episode, um, already, but we will see, uh, how things unfold as we progress. And then do you want to talk about the Korean Japanese conflict? Yeah, we, we mentioned this, the episode starts with a title card that basically says like Japan invades and takes over Korea starting in 1910. Um, and that's true in the book. Like there, there's, it's set in the shadow of that, like geopolitical conflict. Um, however, I do think in the show, They've like ratcheted up that conflict to uh, like violent levels. Like we mentioned that that border who has to run, who Sunya tells to run away because he was talking some shit about 
uh, Japanese culture, and I think even Japanese food, he's like, why do I have to eat this shit all the time? Yeah, yeah. I think he says fucking, why do I have to eat this fucking stuff? And I, I was think like, so. people say fuck in 1910? I don't know. <laughs> um, whatever, not a big deal. But yeah, yeah I, certainly like the threat of violence from this Japanese police state is way larger in the TV show than it is yeah. in the book. I, I, at no point in the book do I feel like Japan is like... Obviously, they're they're causing a lot of these people to starve, and what they're doing is is not good for the Korean people. But it doesn't seem like they are necessarily like rounding up folks and beating them in the fish market and making examples of people. Yeah, I mean, in the book, there are multiple uh, instances of people like kind of talking shit, Koreans talking shit about you know Japan and Japanese people, and like there's a one example of the coal guy, the coal man, who's coming to deliver coal, and you know. Uh, for the families and stuff. And he's like openly talking about how he hates <laughs> Japanese people. Um, and there are other instances as well, but in the instance in the show where that happens with the one fisherman uh, guy who you mentioned, everybody else around him is like, Oh shit. Like shut the fuck up, dude. Like, why are you saying all this crazy shit? They're like not contributing to conversation. They're kind of like, like, this is really awkward now. I wish he would stop saying these things. Um, and then it's sort of, uh, as, as the story goes on, it's, the, you know, the, the, the people who are at the, um, who are listening to this conversation, kind of like let it go, like they kind of move on and eventually the Japanese people find out and then they round him up basically um, and beat him in front of basically all the Koreans at the fish market. Um, so it's, it's a pretty stark scene. It's, you get that impact, like you mentioned, immediately. Um, that this is a police state and that even speaking uh, unfavorably about the Japanese people will get you like thrown away. So pretty, pretty high stakes for um, this community, but we don't, yeah, you're totally right. We definitely don't get that. I didn't get that sense when reading that this is like a police state and that, you know, you shouldn't say anything bad about the Japanese. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons they're doing this as we do a little future casting here is um, I think we know that Ko is Japanese, the guy they is introduced at the end of the episode. And um, we also know that they have a relationship mm-hmm. in the, they do in the book. We don't know that in the show yet, but we can, I, I think safely assume that. So right. by setting the scene that like there is violence between Japanese and Korean people, and now you're introducing this love story between a Japanese man and a Korean woman, you're creating this like kind of like Romeo and Juliet star crossed lovers, mm. two houses divided kind mm-hmm. of uh, like violent stakes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably significant. They're do- they're trying to do something there. I think for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, this is kind of a trope right within, within stories where um, you have one individual who is of a higher status, higher society, um, and another who is of a lower status in society. You have that, right, trope, but you also have this dynamic between the oppressor versus the oppressor society versus the oppressed society. Um, so you get it on a couple different levels, but um, I think it's, yeah, like you said, I think it's safe to assume that they will come together and then she'll get mad at him for having a wife and kids, and <laughs> then the story will evolve. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly interesting to hear about the the Korean and Japanese uh, tensions and dynamic in the story um, that, you know, I was not totally aware of, but um, as well, we're going to talk about the pacing. So I think it's safe to assume that the pacing in the show is much slower, right. Than it is in the book, at least so far. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about this for like two different characters. Um, so obviously we, t- I mean, there's an eight episode show and it's a 500 ish page book. So how, uh, how the show chooses to fill its space will definitely be something we're talking about across mm-hmm. our, our three episodes here. But I think already we have seen one character whose narrative has expanded and then another character whose narrative has been kind of withheld so far. Um, mm-hmm. So Huni, we've talked about, that's Sunya's father. He is, in the book, really not alive for all that long. He's, as Will mentioned, um, he's sickly. He has a cleft lip. Um, he has dead leg or I don't know what what's wrong yeah, with this leg but he's yeah. a, like a limp um and in both of these stories probably there's going to be some uh you know Sunya gets pregnant and she has not only does she, she get pregnant she has a hard time 
matchmaking with anybody because they're afraid that her child is going to have the same deformities as Huni. And so mm-hmm. Huni is this like uh, unseen sort of like legacy character whose deformities might sprinkle through potential future generations. And because of that, people don't really treat Sunya as a real like suitor. She's not mm-hmm. a suitable marrying person because she might have a, oh, they have a really good line, like a cursed bloodline, I think they call it in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a, a nice like visual. Yeah. Um, but in the Apple version, they really, they really, really, really let Huni be a father to Sunya. Yeah. I, we talked about how Sunya is a child for most of this first episode. Well, her father is around and he's teaching her all these things and he's allowing her to be a kid and he's imparting her with a lot of these life skills. I think mm-hmm. on his deathbed, he says, you will have to prove yourself worthy. So he's giving mm-hmm. her a lot of tools to like survive in the world and she's very capable and she's going to do that. Um, and I think the decision there was just like, in the book and in this series, Huni is passing along physical traits potentially to future generations. So let's have him pass down emotional traits. And to do that, let's keep him alive and let's show him being a father. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I think the he actually dies of tuberculosis in the book. I think it's mentioned. I don't know if it's mentioned in uh, the TV show. I don't believe so. It is a there, grisly, it's a grisly death in the TV show, though. He's yeah, like, oh, my God. I think and that's got to be TV. Well, so that happens in the book, but it happens to a different character. So remember the character who shows up to their lodging place? who he gets tuberculosis. He had tuberculosis before, apparently, and then he showed he was healthy, and they showed up, and then he got sick. Uh, and they're, like, very afraid of him, like, spreading it uh, to other people. And he spits up blood on the on the wall. I was yeah. like, oh, that, that must be where they took that from. <laughs> um, but they just basically showed Huni's, uh, you know, version of getting tuberculosis, essentially. But also, I wanted to mention, um, I don't know how, when you were reading it, did you envision this big like house in the hills um, that they have in the show, like in the book? Because I, they said it was like I thought they said it was like five hundred square feet or something like that, uh, which is certainly not the case in the in the show. I I envisioned a much smaller area because they basically what their situation is that they they live in this house or this you know apartment whatever it is, and they um, allow people to stay there for money so they can pay their their rent. Um, sort of like lodging for fishermen, whoever travelers, etc. Um, which is the same in the in the show, but it, it's a much bigger house in my mind. Yeah, did you get that sense? I guess I didn't really think about it. I was thinking about like how the house is on the ocean, and I was like, this is actually kind of yeah. cool. She just yeah. like sneaks out the back and goes down like this like rocky shore and has yeah. sex with Co. But. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about the size of the house. <laughs> I was uh, my mind size, was elsewhere. <laughs> uh, it's all good. I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And then, um, did you want to mention anything uh, else about pacing? Well, speaking of, speaking of Co, um, oh yeah, I, I th- we probably hit this enough, but it's probably worth repeating that um, in the beginning of the book, Co is this very important character. He and Sunya have a relationship on the beach. It's kind of. Uh, romantic to start he t- he takes her virginity and then they uh she like falls in love with him there's like this special rock that they have that's marked with an x and they like put it out there if someone's looking for the other person um you can't just like walk around with a man back then if right. unless they were your husband or trying to become your husband so they had to have this like secret illicit relationship and he eventually does get her pregnant um and it sets up like a huge decision on her part and a huge decision on another character's part who's not even in this episode mm-hmm. um so i did think it was interesting like that is such a big part of the early part of the book and we got him in the last four minutes of the episode and maybe that's just a function of like if you're going to show her as a nine-year-old you can't have him arrive yet because it just doesn't make sense is that the inciting incident for the book the pregnancy yeah honestly probably um, right probably yeah Look at that. There you go. You ever heard about that inciting incident? You're welcome. We need a little lens dictionary. There we do. So I can learn y'all. But yeah, so, so like the inciting incident happens um, like around page 50 or so. If we're, if we're going to call it the inciting incident, it happens around page 50 or so in the book. And we haven't even gotten it yet. 
in the episode. And granted, there's still seven hours left, um, but it sort of sets it up, right? Yeah. And so this Maybe. is when you talk about pacing, it's like, well, in the book, this is page 50, but we've just given you like a full hour of television that hasn't occurred in the book. Yeah. Like we yeah. took we took what was preamble and we made it like canon. And yeah, yeah. now we have the aftermath, not even the aftermath. It hasn't happened yet. So like mm-hmm. the, the thing that's going to change the entire story isn't doesn't happen in the pilot. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and then what is missing? Yeah, I wanted to bring this up. Um, so obviously in the book, when she gets pregnant, there is a, the man that has tuberculosis, his name's Isaac. He Mm -hmm. is a preacher come to the boarding house to pay his respects to Huni, who I think knew his father, maybe. I forget exactly the the relationship there. Um, and knowing that Sunya is pregnant, he basically offers to marry her. And that's as far as I've gotten in the book. So, spoiler well, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but what I thought was interesting, not not that, because that who knows if that plot will occur, but he is a, a pastor, and he is this, like, he's Catholic, and uh, Sunya is not. And there is a big part of the early book that deals with religion. And mm-hmm. I guess, like, probably Catholicism is, like, an oppressive religion to the Koreans. So it's it sort of, like, pulls on that thread, and maybe they just focused on the physical, like, cultural shock versus the religious cultural shock. Mm-hmm. Um, but this character doesn't exist in the show yet. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, like, his Catholicism is irrelevant in this TV show. It doesn't... Religion is not, like, a focus of it at all. But in mm-hmm. the book, it is a focus. And so its its absence here, I thought, was uh, important to mention. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I, I kind of expect them to introduce this character... Um, maybe not. I mean, maybe he's not that important overall in the book, um, as things unfold, but yeah, I mean, I I would imagine, um, he comes in maybe episode two or something like that, but, um, and you're right, the, at least so far, the, um, themes of religion, uh, and the oppression from religion and, and things like that have not been, uh, hinted at at least. Um, they don't seem to be super religious people. They're, they might be spiritual, but they haven't shown that um so far so we'll see we'll see what happens um he was certainly missing um i'm trying to think what else do you have any other examples that was a big one yeah, for me yeah 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 and we'll see we'll see what happens um we're gonna get into like what we expect uh where we expect the story to go do you want to do that right now yeah yeah you go first okay well i i um when ko is introduced here there is a there's like a mysterious vibe around him like mm-hmm. we'll mention that they lock eyes like fucking ryan gosling and emma stone and whatever mm-hmm. any movie that they're in and it's just like <laughs> sparks but also mm-hmm. there's this like cool tracking shot where he's like following her around this like really cool part of the fish market that i'm sure koganada just like was like yo i gotta set it like this because it looks sick and it really yeah, looks yeah. cool uh, but yeah. there's this like tracking shot where he's just following her and he's talking to this guy. He just seems like a rich, like, weird businessman. And mm-hmm. we are we know kind of, like, what he's going to do with her. But I think there's some, there's some shit that's, that's going on with him that maybe I, we don't know, quite know about. But I think, he's, I think he's, he's causing some trouble. Definitely. You don't, you don't make that much money without causing a little bit of trouble, right? That's true. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, there's a cool tracking shot. There's actually the shot, the frame before that, um, when we're introduced to his character, he's looking out on the ocean and like this really cool, uh, like visual behind it, like looking, he's on this bridge. It's just like a really incredible shot, um, which I'm sure you'll remember if you've seen the episode. Um, but in the book, he is pursuing her multiple times, right? He's He says, I think they mentioned it's like, he says one question to her each time that he sees her and she just like basically ignores him and runs away. <laughs> it's like pretty funny. Um, but he's like obviously infatuated with her and stuff and people are starting to notice his, his infatuation and kind of like warn her and stuff. Um, and she's like doing her best to sort of ignore him. And then eventually they sort of come together. And um, after she is harassed by these, I think it's like three high school or y- younger children uh, or like adolescent kids, Japanese kids, I should say. 
um, who are sort of belittling her for being Korean and stuff. And he sort of comes in and sort of saves, salvages the situation and saves her from these, um, these kids. But that's how their relationship sort of starts, which I'm sure we'll see in episode two. Um, but yeah, we're, so we're, like, where are you expecting this story to sort of evolve from here? Well, I mean, I, I suppose like, I haven't read this yet, but the elephant in the room is like what Pachinko, right? That's the title of the book. And we've barely like scratched the surface on, we know that the Sunya's son runs the Pachinkos, mm-hmm. but we don't yeah. know. There's a, there's a lot there. Like the whole, the whole story is called Pachinko and we've barely been inside of a Pachinko. Uh, we just pachinko. know what, yeah, we just know what a Pachinko is. It's a basically like a slots parlor. Yeah, uh, it's like slots, but the, I guess the Korean version. They have these little tiny balls that kind of go down this little maze thing, and I guess you can win money that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't even—it hasn't even been introduced in the book yet. No. Yeah. So I want to see so. what's up with that because you know, uh, I think the history of storytelling has told us that if you run a gambling establishment, uh, maybe everything is not like above board. I don't know. I have no yeah, yeah. knowledge, but I'm just thinking like, okay, this is like a gambling dynasty family what? yeah how do you how do you become that you know <laughs> yeah all the casino yeah. mandates in vegas are very clean they're all very yeah, oh, clean yeah. it's so. all clean money baby yeah. oh what was like there was a quote in the show it was like dirty money clean money it doesn't matter money's money or whatever i thought that's like oh that's a great that's a great line yeah um so who knows they might have some dirty money in there we'll, we'll have yeah. to find out i hope so um i will i did want to mention um that there was this there is this sort of a I don't know if it's a theme or like a relation or connection between they keep mentioning cursed, cursed bloodline. Um, we're not very lucky. Like you need luck, blah, blah, blah. And I think that is sort of a, um, good comparison with this pachinko parlor. Right. Cause imagine a lot of these, it's basically a casino like environment, uh, that, you know, if you get lucky, you win a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. Or if you're cursed, you know, you're never going to win anything. So I think there's some, uh, relation there or some sort of dichotomy the, the word is escaping me and how you know, metaphor i guess maybe that's the right word connection relevance yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so between those two things um i am very interested to see you know how the show takes the relationship between um sunya and uh Ko. what's his name again ho okay Ko, Ko, Ko. and um oh Ko, sorry and um you know, where that, how that sort of blossoms and how they treat that. Because in the book, it seemed like this guy was kind of creepy, like not really sure what's going on with him, kind of following her a lot and doing these, you know, um, maybe it's more uh, accepted back then or whatever, but um, becomes his character. And then eventually re- he reveals that he's married. And so we'll see what happens there. But I'm interested to see if, you know, how, obviously she keeps a child, right? Um, you know, most likely. And we can probably assume that that's um, the father of, you know, eventually the, the grandson, so or his son, Solomon. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see like how that unfolds. Is he still a part of their life? Is he totally secluded? You know, do they, does he divorce and do they marry? Is that even an option? Um, yeah. So, or is it, or is the bloodline cursed forever because of this, uh, infidelity essentially? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a good place. Um, I also, I want more Yunya Jung, the woman, oh, yeah, the old Sunya, who's uh, won the Oscar for Minari. Mm-hmm. She's she's making a push now. for EGOT right now. She, you know, Is she? Possible Emmy nomination for this? I, I mean, possibly. Maybe. Emmy, which she needs a Grammy and then a Tony. Yeah, so hopefully she can sing. If not, it might I be I bet she can. She seems like she can. Yeah, um, yeah she's great. Hopefully, hopefully we get more of her. I'm sure we will. As the uh, series continues, um, anything else? Like, no, I, I, I thought the pilot or the first episode. I guess is, there's they're not pilots anymore. Um, it was really good, and then there's a lot. There's a lot here that we don't know. There's a lot that we do know. A lot that we can speculate on. But it's if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's really it's really good. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I did want to ask you, uh, where could the show disappoint you? I think probably with Ko, um, 
I mean, where where I am at the book, he's gone, and where they introduced him in the show, he he seems like he's going to be quite a big character. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm sort of wondering like what his deal is, because I, you don't introduce someone like that if they're just in like episode two. I yeah. don't think. Yeah. So I don't know. I I'm I'm I want his storyline to be really good, because he seems you like, like similar to the book. I don't know what he is in the book because he's gone in the book. Oh, right. But it seems like he's bigger than being gone. Mm. Right? Like Maybe he, he comes back. Yeah, I don't know. So treat treat Co right. And treat Sunya right, man. Getting yeah. her pregnant and shit and then leaving. That's facts. That's not that's not how men do it, you know. That's yeah, not real men. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um I don't know if I like, I'm already pretty invested in this show. Like, I don't know if I can be disappointed um, at this point. I don't know, unless it just goes off the rails and is totally not related to the book at all. Although we haven't finished the book. Um, it's kind of hard to say. If it involves, if it devolves into a fantasy novel or a science fiction, then I think it could be disappointing with aliens and... Well, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> That's the only way I can be disappointed. Yeah. There's um, I, I you you have to wonder what's gonna happen between Sunya and Solomon in their like shared nineteen eighty nine time. I, I when I was watching this, I was so confused. I was like, how old is Sunya? Because she's yeah. a child in nineteen ten. So she's like six years old in nineteen ten and she's still well, she alive be, in nineteen eighty nine. Like close to a hundred. <laughs> so she so she was maybe like so they started in nineteen fifteen, I think it was. Oh, okay. And she was maybe about like eight or nine, maybe like whatever, seven. So she was, you know, 1910, 1905, 1910, and then 89, that she'd be 85 years old. Right? So she's, yeah, like 85. Good for her. She yeah. looks great. For whatever reason, I couldn't do the math. Like, I was like, <laughs> how is this person alive? Isn't she like Get your 100? calculator out. I know. Get your TI-83 or 84, if, you know, you can afford it. So crunch the numbers, baby. Make a graph. Do you sine, cosine. Tangent? You ever do that? No. <laughs> I was an English major. I didn't, we didn't have to do. You didn't have to use numbers. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. So, I think I think it's safe to say we're both excited to sort of continue reading and continue watching. Um, and like Eric said, definitely check it out. I think if you don't have an Apple TV Plus subscription at this point, like buy a new you're iPhone. Not get it. Buy a new iPhone. <laughs> Exactly. And then get it yeah, for free. Yeah, you'll get it for free. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. It's a better um, investment, honestly. Like get a thousand dollar piece of hardware yeah. and then get this like eight dollar service for free. All the all of our Android listeners are just shaking their head like this is just an Apple like Apple promotion podcast. Can you even get Spotify or you can <laughs> yeah, even get Spotify on your Android can. device? They probably can't even listen to us. You can get basically everything you can get on iPhone, but it's not as cool, so that's the one thing you're missing when you get an Android. The cool factor. Yeah. If you have, I wonder how many people have an Android and also Apple TV plus. Like that seems like it's just stupid to me. <laughs> if you're not going to support Apple, just like no Apple products. Yeah. It seems like a stance thing, right? Like I, I refuse to engage in anything Apple. I'm not going to get their subscription service, but I really want to watch Coda or I really want to watch Pachinko. I just <laughs> have to take your losses somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we shall see. And um, so is there anything else you want to mention before we sign off? Cool. So thank you for listening. Um, so just so you everybody's clear, we are going to split this up into three of our episodes. Um, so part one, which is this episode, is just going to be on the pilot, our episode one. And then our episode two is going to be on Pachinko episodes two through five. And then our episode three is going to be um, on the rest of the episode. So episodes six through eight for Pachinko. And then we're kind of like split up the book accordingly, basically, um, as we read through it. So check out for that. That's coming up in the next, you know, uh, over the next month, we'll be we'll be doing this. Um, I haven't decided on when we're going to do episode two yet, but that'll be coming up shortly. Um, so if you're listening, please read it, read along, watch along with us. Um, and engage with us online we'd we'd love for the the uh, the engagement right we just we love that engagement so uh before we sign off here um please make sure to check out our most recent episode on the tragedy of Macbeth, um and keep an eye out for obviously uh, episodes two and three 
um, for Pachinko coming up this month. Um, Eric, do any do any shout outs? Shout out uh, Korea for surviving, you know, wars and Japan occupation and all the shit they've had to deal with in the 1900s. South Korea, right? Not North Korea. Well, I think it's just one Korea at this point in 1990. Yeah. 1900. So you're shouting out all of Korea. Yeah, and then when they split and now there's North Korea. At that point, I'm only shouting out South Korea. I just want to, you know, make clarify for the listeners. Yeah. You're not a pro-North Korean uh, agent. No. Yeah. Shout out South Korea (laughs) and also shout out a unified Korea pre-split. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) We will not shout out imperialistic japan no no just just korea and south korea cool well thank you eric um we'll be talking here shortly and thank you for listening um we will catch you next time bye